health is about more than just brushing and flossing your teeth. Dental disease is 100% preventable and it starts at home with you. Yep, you heard me right. Cavities are a disease and not something our children should just get. Your mouth is a window into your body and it has an effect on your speech, breathing, chewing, heart health, so much more. And we're not listening to it. On this podcast, we'll bring you a mixture of professionals, experts in the field that will give you advice and action steps you can take with your kids in different situations. We're also going to have moms, dads, caregivers just like you having the same struggles that you are because together we can make a difference and help keep our kids healthy. I had high fevers as a child and was given medicine that stayed my teeth. Kids bullied me, made fun of me, asked me if I knew how to brush my teeth. It not only affected my self-esteem, it made me self-conscious about my smile. I did not want to smile as a kid. People were always asking me what was wrong with me. I just didn't want to open my mouth because I didn't want to be made fun of. And I don't want another kid to feel the same way I did growing up. This is the Healthy Mouth Movement Podcast. My name is Sherry Wirtz. I'm a dental hygienist and I've been in the dental field for over 30 years. Welcome back to the Healthy Mouth Movement Podcast. Today, I am so excited to talk to Dr. Magna Dasani, and she is going to talk to us about pediatric sleep apnea, who is at risk, and what parents need to look out for in order to protect their children, especially in a post-pandemic world. Approximately 5.9 million people in the U.S. are diagnosed with obstructive sleep apnea, yet a staggering 23.5 million people are living undiagnosed with moderate to severe obstructive sleep apnea, and they don't even know it. With respiratory disease gripping our planet, this is more timely than ever and urgent for parents to be on the lookout for the signs and symptoms in their child and get a proper diagnosis and take the appropriate next steps to keep their family safe. So on our show today, Dr. Dasani is going to talk about the signs to look out for, including bedwetting, sleep terrors, snorting, coughing, choking, pauses in breathing, poor weight gain, behavior problems, and hyperactivity. If any of these are left unchecked, complications in life can include heart disease, failure to grow, your child needing a CPAP machine when they get older as an adult, and even a risk of death. Dr. Jasani is passionate about helping patients with sleep disordered breathing get the treatment they need to live healthier, happier lives. Throughout her career, she has gained valuable insight on what it takes to implement those services. And she's currently sharing her knowledge and experience with us but also as an international speaker and her dental practice in Houston, Texas. And next month, it's so exciting, she is launching a book, Airway is Life, Clearing the Air About Sleep Apnea. So today she's gonna share some of that with us and what you should look for as a parent. So thank you so much for being on our show today and sharing your experience. Thank you so much for having me, Sheree. Wow, I was like, whoa, she's really making me look good. You are, you have some great knowledge and it's really, you know, it is really important, especially now with the pandemic and mask wearing and more people breathing through their mouth than their nose and getting much less oxygen and not even really realizing it or knowing it, being aware. You know, you're right. And as we went through the earlier months of the pandemic and we were all shut down for those six, eight weeks or even longer based on where we are. I actually found that I had more people, more parents call concerned about their kids because think about it. I have two girls, 12 and 15. And what does our day look like? Go, go, go. From the minute we wake up, they usually come downstairs dressed. Uh, They're old enough to put themselves to bed. I don't really have to worry about things. Do I really know the quality of sleep they're getting? We just don't spend enough time together. And 
Unfortunately, that's the norm for most families today because the kids are in activities, parents are running around, and you just don't know. And this force, the pandemic forced us all to stay home. We actually spent time together. <laughs> right. And suddenly parents realized, oh my goodness, my child is a poor sleeper, or my husband snores, or a list of things suddenly realize your child has trouble focusing because guess what? Until now, it was the teachers that dealt with this. Mm -hmm. And now I have to worry about it at home with, you know, studying from home and all of that. So it's for a lot of parents, it's been a blessing because they've been able to identify these problems in their children and actually seek help. So yeah, it's, it's a whole different world for sure. Absolutely. So for people that don't know, why don't you explain a little bit about what obstructive sleep apnea is and how it affects children and adults differently? Absolutely. So sleep apnea is when a person, adult or child, stops breathing for 10 seconds or more. And typically this happens multiple times throughout the night. So when that obstruction happens in children, it typically is the tonsils, a lot of times it's the tongue falling back. If you have excess weight around the neck, the muscles relax when we fall asleep. And if we're sleeping on our back, those muscles have nowhere to go but back, as does the tongue. And that is what causes that obstruction, causing the apnea, which is the lack of breath to happen. When this happens, our heart slows down, right? Because there's no oxygen going through. And there there's nothing to do, basically. So the heart slows down because it doesn't have oxygenated blood to carry. And the brain goes, wake up. I need oxygen. So now the heart has to, to start beating to get that oxygen to the brain. And this happens multiple times throughout the night. So when we actually sit back and think about this, what truly needs to happen at night? healing needs to happen, rest, repair, rejuvenation, which isn't happening. Because when we're putting our heart through those cycles of stopping breathing, slows down, we'll wake up, hurry up and do what you need to do. And it puts our heart through more stress cycles rather than letting it rest and heal. And this happens throughout the night. This is why patients, and I say patients because it's adults as well as children that can suffer from this, are at a higher risk for heart attack, are at a higher risk for high blood pressure, diabetes. How many young children do we now see that have hypertension, that have cardiac issues, that even obesity, because when your brain isn't getting that oxygen that it needs, think about it. What do you and I reach for when we don't wake up rested? Sugar, right? As adults, we have the liberty of reaching for caffeine, but your go-to for the energy is the, the processed foods, the sugary foods, the junk foods, unfortunately. Your brain doesn't have the the oxygen to top off leptin and ghrelin levels, your hunger and satiety hormones. See the cycle these patients are in, be it adults, be it kids. And yes, they both present differently. The most common sign, though, and I tell parents, anybody that's in the chair worried about this, is the most common sign that we see is snoring. 
Snoring is the first sign that there's something wrong with this person's sleep. If we see snoring, no matter how adorable that person is, snoring is never good. So I always tell parents, please, if your child snores, make sure we're talking to their doctors about it. With adults, of course, they get delegated to the couch, but <laughs> um, snoring is one symptom that we see is very common in adults as well as children. Um, by way of other symptoms, I like to um, explain it by saying we can typically put adults into a box, right? Your adults will present with the classic symptoms of snoring, choking or gasping for breath, they're tired during the day, um, daytime sleepiness, they're the ones that are falling asleep at the wheel, waking up at night to use the bathroom multiple times throughout the night, <laughs> those are you can you can classify you know they fit into a neat little box typically yeah. but for children um you could have five children with seven different symptoms and they could all be positive for sleep disordered breathing which is why it becomes so important that we start to screen these patients we have the awareness about this so not only are parents recognizing this, but as healthcare providers, you and I are able to, to identify, connect the dots for the parents because I wouldn't know where to go. Right. And we wanna be the resource for these parents. So children, I know we talked about, you know, how do they present differently? Snoring is always common. ADHD is a big one for children with sleep disordered breathing. When you have a child that has trouble focusing in school, constantly being told to write neater, do better, has ants in their pants or can't sit still, um, is unable to get along. And I say this in air quotes with their peers. We're constantly having to correct them. Trouble focusing, doesn't finish homework on time, has to be corrected being disciplined, that lack of focus is key, making sure we're, we're addressing that. And unfortunately, in a society where we are so eager to medicate, I tell parents this, you know, your child may need medication for ADHD. I, I don't know. I'm, there are other doctors that are much better qualified to, to figure that out, but get their sleep evaluated first. A child that is sleep deprived will present with the same signs and symptoms as a child with ADHD. And the only way I can address this is get a sleep study first, get their sleep evaluated, make sure they're getting good quality sleep. And then if they need the drugs, they need the drugs, but at least we are making sure they're getting the quality sleep that their bodies, their brains need. So that is a big one because I can't tell you how many kids I see within the practice that, that are on multiple drugs and are still struggling. And a lot of times it's as easy as let's flip the switch and get them better sleep. Absolutely. I know my daughter was bedwetting and that's kind of why I became the oral myofascial therapist. And I was seeing a urologist because I was waking up in the middle of the night and going to the bathroom. I thought something was wrong with my bladder. 
And then I started mouth taping about six months ago and I don't get up in the middle of the night anymore. And I sleep five or six hours. Whereas before I was getting up every two hours and I had, I've been a dental hygienist for over 30 years. I had no idea that it was my mouth breathing that was causing the other problems that I was having. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, we, when we go through school, at least when I did, there wasn't enough education. There's so much to learn. Um, so I'm glad that, you know, we now have this increased awareness for this. So kudos to you for helping spread the word. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And thank you yeah. for writing a book on this, because I think it's something that's overlooked. You know, I started the healthy mouth movement to connect the mouth with the body, because I, I think that it's becoming more into standard of care. But I think, you know, before we just separated the mouth from the body, you saw a dentist for your mouth and you see a doctor for your body, but you don't connect or even understand that some of the signs that are happening in your mouth are actually a sign of what's going on in your body. And I did it flipped. And it's funny because I'm a dental professional is married to a dentist and seeing a urologist for years. And it took, you know, going through this course to be like a light bulb go on and be like, oh my gosh, if I don't know that, and I'm a dental professional, how many people don't know this? We have to get this information out. So thank you for bringing awareness. Absolutely. And that was my biggest thing, you know, getting, getting that awareness out, getting parents to know that we can help. Because think about it, you, we have healthy individuals walking into our practices every single day. They see their MDs, their other healthcare providers, maybe once a year. I know I see mine once a year, mm -hmm. but I see my dentist regularly, at least every six months, if not sooner. So, and there's so many clues now, you know, that we can pick up on and start these conversations to be able to guide these parents just the patients too into getting more help. So absolutely, absolutely. Um, another big symptom I um, see with children is bedwetting. Mm -hmm. um, and I tell parents this, we're not talking of our two and a half year old, three year old that has regressed potty training. We're talking older kids that have been potty trained and stayed dry for a long period of time. We're talking eight, nine, 10. Two weeks ago, we had a 16 year old that's in the practice. Now I know that child is not wetting their bed because they're lazy. There's more going on. And we also know that these are kids that the parents have done everything they can to help this child, right? Even your eight year old, they've cut out the water, they eat healthy, uh, use the bathroom before going to bed, whatever needs to be done. They've tried every trick in the book, plus some, seen all the specialists, right? And no answers. And sometimes we're able to just make that connection because like, hey, how are you sleeping? Is your child a messy sleeper? Mm -hmm. I'm fond of saying kids should sleep like the dead. <laughs> and I, of my two girls, I have one that's like that. She go, she never really has to make her bed because her bed covers are just that that little bit ruffled on one side. And then my other child is starts in one position, ends up in the other. I was like, good Lord, child, who have you been fighting with, right? We all have those stories or know those kids. Yeah. That is your body, your brain trying to wake you up because you are at some point having either a complete obstruction or a partial obstruction of the airway. That's your reflex 
your instinct to keep you alive, that's kicking in. If I move just enough, I'm going to start breathing. But what, what does that do to those children, to those, those patients? It takes them out of deep sleep. So they're never truly getting to the deep sleep, to the REM sleep that our brains, our bodies need to be able to heal. And when that doesn't happen, I now have a child that slept for 10 hours, but is still grumpy in the morning. <laughs> yes. And I cannot figure out why. That is so familiar with for so many parents. So these are little things that if we can help parents understand, you literally see the light bulbs going off for them. It's like, oh my gosh, that is my child. I wish I knew this. I wish I'd caught up on that. Yeah. Um, mouth breathing is a big one. And you just mentioned it. Yeah. You're supposed to breathe through your nose. <laughs> yeah, we would like to breathe through our nose. <laughs> it's sort of important, yeah. <laughs> And the nose does the job of humidifying the air, warming it up, purifying it before it passes into the lungs. And when, for whatever reason, that nasal breathing goes away, and we quickly learn to breathe through our mouths, well, all of that doesn't happen. And who gets to do the job of purifying that air? It's our tonsils. Now the tonsils were not made for that. That is not their primary job. You're nodding and shaking your head because you know exactly where I'm going with this. <laughs> and the tonsils then react to the viruses that we're inhaling by enlarging because I am not equipped to do this. I'm just gonna grow bigger and have more cells that can help me. And in our little bitty kids that are still growing, those tonsils start to come together in the back of their throat, what we call kissing tonsils. Mm -hmm. Now they have an obstruction. And that contributes to them not getting the quality of sleep that they need. Sometimes it's because they have a tongue that is tied tight to the floor of their mouth. Our tongue is not supposed to rest in the floor of the mouth. The tongue should be resting passively in the roof of the mouth because our tongue is a natural expander, a natural retainer. That is what shapes the roof of the mouth. And when the tongue is unable to sit there, remember the roof of the mouth is also the floor of the nose. Well, when that doesn't get shaped the way it needs to, our upper airway, the beginning doesn't get shaped in the ideal shape that it needs to be. So one thing then just snowballs into another with the child sitting there with open mouth posture because the tongue is resting in the floor of the mouth. They're also now breathing through their nose. And you know this, how many children do we see in our practices, right, that are sitting there with just reading on their phone, even watching TV, playing their games with their mouths hanging open because now that has become their habit. Resting, yeah, it's a, it's a habitual posture for them. It's their resting posture. Mm -hmm. So there's just so many little things that we can help parents understand and screen and look for to help these kids. So as you can see, every child's gonna present with different um, presentations and it's up to us to 
figure out how we can connect this to get them the help they need. And ask questions, learning this so you know what questions to ask, because not all dentists are aware of this and know about it or look for it. I know that, you know, I was temping for years before I switched. I was working in a, a mobile setting for seven years. And so in the mobile setting, we weren't writing notes or telling parents about any of this. We were just giving them if they had cavities or, you know, what was going on that way, but we weren't telling them about this. And a lot of those kids, we were the only care they were getting twice a year. So that's why it's important to have other ways to educate families about what's going on. You know, my daughter was even getting dark circles under her eyes, darkness here, along with the bedwetting. And so, like I said, even as a dental professional, I didn't know for 30 years. So this is something that's all was new to me in the past year. So, and it's important. I see it everywhere. Yes. Yes. Once you see it, you cannot not pay attention to it. It's like my children will be going, we're walking through Target going, oh, that kid's mouth breathing. Stop. <laughs> it's they now they realize it too. But I, I get your point about not having those conversations because it is to date I still have parents that'll go, well you're a dentist. Like you're you're supposed to look and they're just genuinely baffled. They're like why are you talking about her breathing and her airway? You're supposed to look for cavities and clean her teeth. So I get it. I get it. That um, it, it's our job to put this out there to educate parents because I know you're the same and I'm the same. If I'd known this about my children, when they were born, newborns growing up, I would have done anything I could to fix it in a heartbeat. I just didn't know. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I'm even seeing patients now. I saw a patient last week where I told the mom that she was tongue-tied. Again, I didn't know to look for that until I took this course and got more education. And she's like, why did no one tell me? I said, because I didn't really realize that wasn't something that we looked for until I went through this course and I experienced some of these things myself with my family. And so now I am sharing it and it's even the people that I've seen. So I was guilty of not talking about it because I didn't have the education and the knowledge about this area. Right. And I tell doctors this all day, every day long. It's day one starts today from the day that you actually learn, realize, understand. After knowing about it, if we don't share, then that's on us. But if I didn't know, I cannot educate you. So kudos to everybody that continues to learn because in this day and age, you blink and there's something more that we've learned, more research out there. So it's great that we're able to offer this to parents for sure. And we're seeing a lot of these adults in CPAP machines, they have been breathing through their mouth since they were children. So had we have seen that when they were younger, maybe they wouldn't be where they're at right now. So again, with the knowledge we have now, like you don't know what you don't know, but you're correct. Now that we have this knowledge, it's really important to share it with new moms and moms with younger children so they can catch it. They can do things like a palatal expander or myo munchie or, you know, different treats. So many tools. Absolutely. Or those moms that have struggled, that struggle with nursing the babies mm -hmm. when breastfeeding is uncomfortable. It's, there is probably a reason behind that, you know, evaluating for, is there a tie that's preventing the baby from latching? working with lactation consultants, um, just making sure that we have a team that's helping this child. Exactly. And it does take a team. When they say it takes a community, they are not lying. It takes a community. 
It surely does. It surely does. And there's so many great professionals now. The more I talk to people and the more people I connect with, uh, that's one thing I truly love about social media. You're like, oh, I know you and we, you know, I can refer you to this person there because we all have folks that reach out to us from the other end of the country. Mm -hmm. It's like, go to them. I know her or I know him. So it's amazing that we are able to have this network to help our patients. Yes, yes. And if you're in an area where you don't know anyone, they can reach out to you or I, and we will find someone that can help them that knows about that. Absolutely. And a a few things like myofunctional therapy, which is something that you do offer, can be done virtually too. So great resources right there. Absolutely. So what would you recommend? Like, okay, they, they know that their children have these signs. What are the next steps? Let's say, talk to their dentist, talk to their doctor, if they don't have someone that they know that knows a lot about this or is knowledgeable, how would you recommend that they find someone then? So for children, I always, always recommend uh, seeing an ENT first. Okay. Because with kids, most commonly the cause of that obstruction is their tonsils and or adenoids. And they need that ENT eval to be able to either rule that out or if that is the problem, to make sure that is addressed. And then the ENT is also typically able to order a sleep study, get that sleep evaluated. So then we know what the problem is. And from there, then based on what else is going on, you know, if there's a tongue tie that is a problem, working with, again, either the ENT or the dentist to release that, that has to happen in conjunction with myofunctional therapy, like we were talking part of a team actually building that village for that child. Um, Has the growth of the palate been impacted? Do they need an expander? Do they need a myofunctional appliance? What direction is it that they need to head? But for children, I always say start with the ENT. That's perfect. That's good to know. Because, you know, I mean, there are a lot of parents that don't don't have this, don't have this information out there. So, what are the medical and scientific advancements that you've seen as far as obstructive sleep apnea in the last recent years? There's so much going on. There's always something new that comes up. In adults, the CPAP is considered the gold standard for treatment. And you know we do find that a lot of folks aren't just able to tolerate it, which is where working with a dentist that is able to make them an oral appliance that's going to keep that airway open is key. Now in children, we have the advantage of using their growth. They're still growing. So we can actually guide growth into what is it that the child needs? Where are they lacking? What what dimension is one that we need to impact? So again, newer appliances, more by way of how we are able to impact that. Everything has become less clunky, less junky now, as I like to say it, less hardware in the mouth. If you remember when we were growing up, it was the stuff nightmares were made of, and then now it's so much better. So there's there's always new technology, new modalities of treatment. Just, it depends on what that child or that adult is needing to, um, and a lot of it is non-invasive. Um, right. I, it, I had one of those appliances because I sucked my thumb that poked your thumb <laughs> because my mom tried everything. The stuff you yes. put on, wrapping and 
that was just, I'm like, okay, I did not like that at all. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I, I think if, if we can get to kids sooner, then we can do some of those appliances that help their art grow and, and maybe they don't need medications for ADHD or braces, even if you can catch them early enough. Yes, that would certainly be nice. The fewer kids we have on medications, the better it is. The earlier we can get to them, the early intervention is key because sleep-deprived children turn into sleep-deprived teens uh, with sleep-disordered breathing, and then they go into adulthood. And if, like I said, if, if we can address issues while they're growing and we have a little bit more control over the direction that growth patterns and um, how things are forming and shaping, we're setting them up for potentially less, fewer, less severe, serious problems later on. And can we reverse and even stop the uh, obstructed sleep apnea with catching that earlier? Yes, ma'am. So what we're doing is since we grow that airway from if you had a coffee stirrer for an airway by impacting growth, if we can turn it into a smoothie straw, that's automatically more oxygen your brain's getting. So definitely. Perfect. That's, I mean, that it's really important because like you said, air, oxygen is everything. I mean, we need, I talk about the, the four things we need to survive, air, water, food, and shelter. Those first three things all <laughs> are yes. part of our body. <laughs> So yes. I, I honestly think that if you're having issues anywhere, you should always look at your mouth and your nose first because they don't necessarily cause things in the body, but they're all connected. We definitely, if we know what to look for, there's always clues that we'll find. Like you said, right within our realm of what we can impact for our patients. It's just knowing what to look for and actually connecting the dots. So yeah, you're spot on there. Yep, and getting the parents to where they need. So, and, and here's the, the struggle that I've had just in the past year is that people don't seek treatment until it's a problem. They're not looking at prevention. But since the pandemic, I think people are more aware and looking at things because what this virus has attacked are weakened immune systems. So I think bringing this awareness now is why it's more important because people are more aware and are looking and now we're looking to prevention instead of waiting until it's a problem. I agree with you on that. And also the, the mindset that, oh, they're just a child, they're gonna outgrow it. Um, and that sometimes puts parents on the path of, yeah, let me see what's going to happen. Is, is she just being a typical teenager or a boys will be boys? You know, the, the little things that we attach to certain ages, we need to remember to look past it. Is there a reason? Absolutely. Because I was one of those children and they told my mom that I would outgrow it. I wore braces. I had my tonsils taken out and I'm an adult that's still mouth breathes and I tape my mouth <laughs> at night when I sleep still, because that's the only way that I sleep. So I never outgrew it. Yeah, it helps too. So you know that that was important. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so, and then I think I had one more question. So what can parents and adults do right now to move in the right direction? 
by way of sleep. By way uh, of sleep apnea. And yes. Yes. For children, making sure they're healthy. Um, making sure we're getting enough hours of sleep along with good quality sleep. I find we tend to skip one or the other. It's we're either spending not enough time in bed asleep. There's always Facebook, Netflix, uh, whatever it is that our children play on their phones or watching TV. That does not give them the hours of sleep. When we sleep, we go through the REM as well as non-REM sleep. The earlier part of the night, we get more of the non-REM sleep, which is what heals our bodies. And then the latter half of the night, the latter one third of the night, we get more REM sleep, which our brain needs for healing. So guess what happens when we don't get enough hours of sleep? We are skipping out on the REM sleep, which is why we wake up still feeling tired. So making sure that enough hours, which is going to also give our brains the opportunity to get in good quality sleep. Um, creating a routine is key. If we can have our kids in bed and wake, you know, go to bed and wake up at set times, that sets the circadian cycles. That is, I find, key in creating that routine for the brain to get to the type of sleep that we need. Um, for adults, no caffeine. Well, I say adults, even children nowadays, I see how many kids drink those little caffeinated, whatever they're called. And uh, so no caffeine after 3 p.m. And caffeine sneaks in on us. It's in so many things that we don't realize. And that kind of keeps us awake. Uh, no devices in bed. That is a big one. If we can turn off our phones, iPads, reading on the Kindle, reading on the phone, um, all of those things, exposure to blue light, it delays the release of melatonin in our brain. And melatonin is our sleep hormone. It pushes back our sleep cycles. It disrupts everything. So no devices. Things like that are key for those with children. A hot bath and a cool room right before at bedtime is key. That causes a drop in the body temperature. When the body temperature drops, again, it releases melatonin. And melatonin is going to help us fall asleep faster. So making these subtle, small changes do have a big impact. It's what you and I call sleep hygiene making those changes is going to help. It's not going to address the sleep apnea, but it's definitely going to help with getting better quality sleep for sure. That's good. I did not know that about the warm bath and the cool room and the melatonin. I, that's, yes. Yes. that's something new. So yes, thank you for sharing yes. See, all these things that, you know, you learn something new every day. You can't possibly know all of this information. Exactly. Constant learners. Yes. Uh, Absolutely. And the, the more that you know, like where you can get this information, the better, because there, there is so much information and it's coming at us so fast, especially over the last year. We've learned so much just with wearing masks and, you know, being home. It's, it's crazy what we've learned even in the past just six months alone. So there's no way that everyone can know all this information or get it. Because like you said, there's 
it's just information constantly. I think even touching our face, we touched our face 16 times an hour before we started wearing masks. Yes. And now we're touching them even more, adjusting our masks. Yes. <laughs> and now that you're told not to do it, you always have the itch in the nose or you got to fix your hair or something. <laughs> you've got to pinch it tight so that you're not breathing through your nose, you're breathing through your mouth, because if you wear glasses, you're fogging up your glasses. Yes. So I wasn't even aware I was breathing through my mouth at night. I knew I was during the day, but not at night with my mask. So, you know, when someone said to me, well, think about it, if you're breathing through your mouth during the day, then you're probably breathing through your mouth at night too. It, it doesn't just stop. Like you're not doing it one time or the other. You're just not aware that you're doing it. Right. There's no on-off switch for that. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, I was. So, <laughs> yes. So even for us, it's just awareness. So tell us about your book and where we can get it, when it's launching. I know it's launching in February and a little bit more about that because that, that will be helpful as well to get some information. Yes, yes. I'm super excited about it. So the title of the book is Airway is Life. Pretty self-explanatory right there. And I wrote it as a resource for people, for everyday folks that are truly just looking for answers, just what to look for, um, just the understanding behind what is sleep disordered breathing? How does it impact us? What are the changes that it can cause in our life and where can you look for help? Just bringing all of that together for the parents to, to be a, a complete resource. Well, I say complete because nothing's complete. You're always, there's always stuff that you can add, but a go-to and anybody should be able to pick that book up and go, this is what I needed. Um, I have some resources in there as well. Um, very easy language for anybody to understand. I had my 12-year-old read it and she didn't say it was too hard. So I'm hopeful that anybody can read it. As to when it's launching, our launch date is the end of February. We're kind of waiting on the final date from Amazon. Everything's so pushed back right now with COVID. So it's a little bit of a dance, but um, it will be on Amazon, Kindle. Okay. And I will be sure to send you a copy. No, thank you. Yes. And send me a link because I will put it on all of my social media when it comes out as well. So okay. thank you. Yes. It, it will be a great resource. And <laughs> thank you for writing the book. Thank you for being on and talking to us today and sharing your knowledge. And I hope we can chat again in the future with more information. So before we close out, is there anything else you would like parents to know before we leave? Thank you for having me. As for uh, something that I would like for parents to know is ask questions. And if there is anything that doesn't make sense to you about your child's health, talk to every healthcare provider that you see. There is always a perspective. And if you're not satisfied with the one answer you get from the one provider, ask another. The more questions you ask, the bigger and the more complete picture you will get. The chances of you getting the help that your child needs are going to go up exponentially. So ask questions. 
you and I know it's never a bother. We're always here for our patients. So ask questions. Absolutely. If it's a bother, then that's probably not the right practitioner for you because we went into this for a reason to help people. Yes. So we, we are happy to help, to answer questions, to help where we can. If we don't have the knowledge, we'll find someone that can help you because there are instances out there where it's just, you know, more than they're going through something. There's more involved than, you know, something just simple that's like maybe snip the tongue or just tape your mouth. Sometimes it is more involved. So we're happy. Build that village for our parents, for our patients. So yes, we will at least, if we don't have the answers, we'll guide you, but ask. And that inner voice is never, never leads you wrong. Never, never. (laughs) Yes, I agree with you. If it's not sitting right with you, then it's probably right. You need to ask more questions and find someone who can give you the answers that make sense to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is great advice. I appreciate that. And again, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you for having me. So we talked a lot about what you can look for for pediatric sleep apnea. So if your child is wetting the bed, having sleep terrors, snoring, coughing, choking in the middle of the night, waking up wanting something to drink, pauses in breathing, just kind of stops breathing, is not thriving or gaining weight, if they're having behavioral problems or hyperactivity, or if they wake up in the morning and their covers are all over the place, that's probably a sign that they're restless sleepers. And you can just look at them. If they have dark circle under their eyes, if they're sitting with their mouth open and their lips aren't together, if their tongue is not in the roof of their mouth, these are all things that you can look for that might be a sign that your child is not sleeping very well or has some sleep issues. And so definitely get it looked at, reach out to either any of us, look at some of the resources that we have below. And again, we are here to help. I have a 15 minute free consultation. You can click the link and just even talk to me. I would be happy to talk to you, get on a Zoom call with you, whatever it takes to get you the help you need because this is really important for our kiddos. And breathing is the number one thing that we need to do to stay alive and thrive. So this is why this is really, really important. And especially with wearing masks, we're seeing more and more sleep apnea issues because it's creating bad breathing habits wearing this mask because you can't breathe. So you take these breaths through your mouth and and before you know it, it's a habit that has to get broken. So reach out. Thanks for listening. Hope this was helpful. Any comments you have, good, bad, share, because we're here to help you. Anything you'd like us to talk about, please put them in the comments and we will address them on later podcasts. A healthy mouth is a healthy body and a healthy life. Thanks so much for listening to the Healthy Mouth Movement Podcast. Do you have a question you'd like answered on the podcast? All I'm asking is for you to do three things. Head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, tell me what it is you'd like me to answer on the podcast, anything about mouth health. And if you'd like for me to leave a shout out, make sure that you leave a name. That's all you need to do. Then just make sure you tune in and listen so you can hear your question answered on the next Q&A episode. And join us next time on the Healthy Mouth Movement Podcast. If you'd also like more information, you can head over to www.dentalhygiene411.com where I have more resources and information for all things mouth health.